celebrating God's love. We've been in a series, um, being in awe of God. And we can be in awe of his power. We can be in awe of his excellence. We can be in awe of his holiness. But our relationship as Christians comes down to being in awe of his love. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? And yet one of the realizations we em- that we embrace so deeply as Christians, and that can be really difficult to communicate to somebody else, especially someone who doesn't have the experience of knowing God, is the difference that knowing God can make in your life. It's really difficult to help people understand, like what's the big deal many people will say, to try and communicate what the difference is, the difference that knowing him makes. Knowing God brings confidence into our lives. Daniel chapter 11, verse number 32 With flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But this is the important part. But the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Knowing God helps you be able to move forward each day. You ever have a problem or know people who just seem to be stuck in a place, not able to move forward, not able to be able to gain traction on any area of their lives, and yet when they have that relationship with God, I've known so many believers who have gone through low periods in their lives or even a backslidden stage or just not close to him. Yet when they get closer to God, all of a sudden things begin to move. They be able to have to move forward. Knowing God gives you and me the confidence to be able to move forward, to be able to do the right thing, to be able to have that center day to day. Knowing God gives you a sense of contentment. I believe in doing things with excellence and doing things in the right way. But if your peace is in your bank account, you're in trouble. Because that can change in a moment. If your peace is in your family, as wonderful as what we want our families to be, how many know our family situations can change overnight? And as wonderful, and I know none of you have any family members or relatives that give you any difficulty whatsoever, but there are people out there whose families really cause them trouble and take away peace. But when you know God, you have peace no matter what the situation is. There are some people who put their peace and have their trust in being popular and being able to have a circle of people who know them And having those close relationships is important, but that's not where our peace is. I'm thankful I know each one of you, but I'm much more thankful I know God. And that's the focus. Some people put their peace in the circle that they have because they want to be able to know they're in a group of people that we all kind of go the same way and, 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 and think the same way and even look the same way. But my peace is in knowing Knowing God brings confidence. Knowing God brings contentment. Knowing God brings composure. Psalm 46, beginning of verse number one. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. It was read this morning. Therefore, we will not fear, 
though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Anyone ever have a storm in your life? Anyone ever have an earthquake in your life? You and I are not promised that we will live in a bed of roses. And even if we were promised to be in a bed of roses, they would be real roses, so they would have thorns. And every real rose I've ever met in a flower or in a person had thorns. But when we know God, we have the ability to, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of an earthquake, that life can bring our ways. We can stand firm. We can know that no matter what we go through, our God's got this. Our God has us, and we can stand firm and have a sense of composure that other people don't understand. Other people are going to look at the situations in our lives many times and say, how can you smile? How can you stand firm? How can you be able to move forward? Why aren't you falling apart? I've shared before, there have been people in my life years ago who would worry for me because I didn't worry about things. And when I would ask, well, this is something happening to me, and I'm not worried about it. Why are you worrying about it? Because you're not. Have at it. You know, go for it. That's not going to put me in a place. Yes, there are things that concern me. Yes, there are things that even at times trouble me. But these are things I know that God is able to overcome. And because of that, I know I can stand firm in a storm, in an earthquake, no matter what. Even, it says in, in Psalm 46, when the mountains quake with surging. We're not just talking a small little shaking. I remember many years ago, I was working for an accounting company. This is going back maybe 25 years. And I had to do some work in the LA office. So I flew out to Los Angeles, and I was doing a training on a Saturday in the office building, which was about 20 floors up. And we're sitting there with people, and they're all from California. And all of a sudden, the room moved. I'm from New York. Rooms don't move. They're not supposed to move. They're not living things. Rooms don't move. And I stopped, and everyone looked at me like, what's wrong? They're used to rooms moving. I'm not used to rooms moving. And there was a slight earthquake. And they went, oh, just a little earthquake. No big deal. And I'm thinking to myself, no big deal. What's wrong with you people? But even in the midst of those that we get in our lives, we can stand firm. God is there for every storm. God is there for every earthquake. God is there for every flood. Because how many have experienced that when things happen, that doesn't prevent other things from happening? That sometimes things can kind of pile on and flood into our lives. There is nothing you and I can encounter, nothing you and I will go through that God is not able to bring you through and bring you through in victory and in power. And having him and knowing him only leads to loving him. Now this Psalm 136 was meant and is often done in synagogues as a responsive litany. So I'm going to make you work today. At the end of every verse in this psalm, you get to speak. So clear your throats, 
I'm going to make you work. And it's one of the songs we sang today. At the end of each verse, you get to say, his love endures forever. So let's practice. His love Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their inheritance as an inheritance, and gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Oh, someone give God praise in this place. His love truly does endure forever. Each of us goes through times or seasons when our faith takes a beating. When it feels like we are barely hanging on. But reminding ourselves, not just of his power, not just of his ability, not just of his greatness, but in all those things that were read in Psalm 136 that were amazing attributes about the God that we serve. What that meant to King David was not just that he was powerful. In each case, it demonstrated his love for you and me. So I want to look at a few things from that psalm that really emphasize why God's love is different. This world would like to try to tell you they understand love. They don't. They haven't the foggiest idea. So why is God's love different? First of all, God's love is loyal. His love endures forever. I'm right now counseling with two different couples that are getting married in July um, and going through the same counseling material with each. And the theme of the counseling I've always done is called covenant marriage. And, this, and the distinction I make is 
that I want their marriages to be a covenant, not a contract. Because contracts are agreements between people who don't trust each other. That's why you have a contract. A covenant is a biblical understanding of the joining. And it's different from the way the world works. You see, in the world, we talk about, well, marriage is 50-50. Nonsense. If all you're going to give into a marriage relationship is half of you, then it's not going to work. Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. You're giving all of yourself, and the other person is giving all of themselves. It's also a covenant like the covenant that God made with Israel. So it's not dependent upon the other person fulfilling their end of the bargain. Covenant marriage and Christian marriage is not if then. If you do this, then I'll hang around. If you do this, then I'll be loyal. If you do this, then I'll be faithful. It's God saying to Israel, I will be your God no matter what. And as we see throughout the Old Testament, God kept his part of the uh, bargain repeatedly and Israel had issues with the covenant but God is loyal our God's love is loyal no matter what we go through we're always going to be able to say God loves me we're always going to be able to say he's going to be faithful to me his love truly endures forever God's love is loyal God's love is unrivaled no one loves you like God does no one can love you like God does. No one's ever going to be able to love you like God does. Verses 1 and 2 remind us that his love surpasses anything and anyone else. There is no other God like him. No other place you can find love. God's love is loyal, unrivaled. And admittedly, it can be overwhelming. And this is some of the sad things we see in our culture today. People's ability to receive love. Their ability to be able to embrace it because of the various situations they've dealt with in their lives. Now he does many wonders, but when we look at a mountain scene or a forest meadow or some beautiful creation that God has created, yes, it's a demonstration, wow, God, you're awesome. But as Psalm 136 says over and over again, it's also God saying, I love you. His love endures forever. It's a demonstration not only of his great power. I really want us to see it today. It's a demonstration of his great love. His love, God's love, is liberating. God's love sets you free. Human love puts chains on you. People will say, I love you if. Okay, well, then there's conditions on it. I'll only love you when. You've got to fly right. You've got to stay in line. We can only be friends if you go this way. We can only be together if you believe this. We can only stay in the same circle if you follow this creed or follow this agenda. When God loves you, he loves you because he is God, and he's always going to be God, and you're always going to be his child. Now, does that mean he'll always be pleased with what you do? No, of course not. But his love will set you free. His love will give you the ability to be able to truly understand love and give to others. You know, we have a, a misconception 
today, and I understand the, why many in the church guard against it, and we call it humility. But in Mark chapter, in, in Matthew 22, Jesus gives us the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And then he says, and the second that is the greatest is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think part of the problem we have in our culture today is that many people follow that. They truly love other people as they love themselves. And since they can't stand themselves, they can't stand other people. Since they have so much issue with themselves, they're not able to, they're actually doing what that scripture says. To love their neighbor as and in the same way and in the same mode that they have an image of themselves. Now, I know we can, that our culture can take this to an extreme. And when we talk about loving yourself, we're not talking about arrogance or self-centeredness. But you need to be able to look in, in the mirror no matter what time of the day or night, no matter whether or not your hair is the way it needs to be, and whether or not that first cup of coffee has actually happened yet. Now, I understand the power of that first cup of coffee. There, and from what I've been told throughout my entire ministry, there is Holy Ghost power in that first cup of coffee. But you need to be able to look in the mirror even before that cup of coffee and say, and see a child of God and see someone created in the image of God. And that can set you free. Because when you can see yourself as created in the image of God, you can see all the creepy people around you as created in the image of God. And then you can love your neighbor as yourself. God's love is liberating. God's love is excellent. Verse 23 reminds us of something that we need to be reminded of. God will never forget you. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt forgotten or overlooked or just not thought of? We all have. But God will never forget you. He always remembers your birthday. <laughs> he always remembers the day he created you. He always rejoices at that day. He will never look past you. And God's love is dependable, which brings us back to him being loyal. There was a lot of comments in Psalm 136 about God demonstrating his love for the children of Israel by the encounter with them in Egypt and them leaving. You and I need to realize that God has got you even in the midst of your greatest battles. He is going to part the Red Sea in front of you. He's going to take care of the army behind you. God is able to do things like he did for Israel in your life today and in mine. This psalm is a banquet of reasons to celebrate God's love for you. He loves you. And that's something to shout about. But pastor, you don't know what my life is like and where it's been. You don't know the poor choices I've made. 
and the impact of those poor choices and what they're doing and, and the consequences that are there. And it is true, and it is biblical, that poor choices have consequences, just like good choices have consequences. That's why we encourage good choices. But when it comes to the love of God, you and I need to realize nothing, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Not your worst day, not your favorite sports team blowing a lead, not anything, not that meal you were preparing going wrong, not someone trying to convince you that they would rather have sauce from a jar. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans chapter 8, verse you know. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing means nothing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can separate you from God's care. Nothing can separate you from God extending his hand to guide you and watch over you. Nothing. Even in the midst of you moving in a direction and you don't realize the damage you're doing to your life. I shared a bit last week with my health issues that I'm facing now. I've been looking back and I am amazed at how much God loved me, even in the midst of my doing the exact opposite of what I needed to do. Of all the symptoms that I was dealing with, with being now diabetic, the one that was the most pressing and the one that was, I guess, front and center for me as far as, as, far as what I was feeling was dry mouth. And it was severe. And I would drink a lot of water, but I that would kind of help the thing subside for about 10 minutes. And... I kept drinking and then 10 minutes. What was helping me get longer distance from the dry mouth was the sensation of ice in my mouth. So what in my infinite brilliance did I decide to do? Ice. Slurpees. They're ice. They're also predominantly sugar, which is the last thing I needed. But I wasn't just in a single way brilliant, I was in a multiple way brilliant. Because it wasn't just Slurpees, I figured, let me mix it up. Slurpees, how about smoothies? Also sugar. And I was doing this for weeks. I was literally hurting myself, and God in his infinite love kept me to a place where I can now understand that even when I don't know what I'm doing, my God is there and takes care of his people. Now, I would highly recommend, everyone's commented, and, I, and I'm, I'm feeling great, and they say I look good because of the weight loss. This is not a recommended weight loss program. <laughs> but know that no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, God loves you. And he's able to take care of you, even when you're not taking care of yourself. Now, again, choices have consequences. 
and I'm quite sure that the alarming rate that was discovered when the blood work came back for me was in part contributed to, to my infinite brilliance about ice and sugar. But even in that, aren't you glad God protects his people? Aren't you glad that, as we've said before many times, that that time when you couldn't get the car started right away, he probably helped you avoid an accident or probably helped you avoid something else? God loves you. And how long does his love last? His love endures forever. No matter what we go through, I want us to walk out of here today understanding his love endures forever. When that, on the way home, after feeling good about being in church and praying and being with God's people in fellowship, and you get on the road and someone cuts you off, I want your response to be, his love endures forever. <laughs> Not what you were thinking of doing. His love endures forever. And then tomorrow, after the great day of Sunday is always followed by that thing called Monday and you get into those situations with coworkers or colleagues or anybody in the market or anybody else and they begin to just be who they are at this point in their lives before they come to Jesus his love endures forever and then as the week goes on and it just seems like this world keeps getting crazier and crazier and we get notifications on our phones or we hear on the news that this world hasn't woken up yet and they're still doing things and having all kinds of tragedies happen. His love endures forever. And every report we get about how our government doesn't govern and it just kind of does things in strange ways and goes off and can't seem to talk to one another, even for a moment, his love endures forever but on the positive side and I'm thrilled about it when we hear of what God is doing in college campuses around this country when we hear about the fires of revival now I know there have been those within the church who given a critical voice but for me let the fires burn let the fires burn. If we're going to be critical, it should be long after. Because if you look at the revivals over history, they're very similar to what we're seeing at Asbury Seminary and throughout the country. The true test of a revival is not the revival meetings. It's not whether or not you know, thousands come together and there are signs and wonders. That's part of it. But the true test will be later. The true test in a community for a church, if that church is experiencing revival, is that the crime rate goes down in that community, is that the school grades go up in that community, is that people get right with God and then live godly, holy lives. That would be the point. If all it is is a church service and nothing changes in our lives and nothing changes, but we can't see that for months. Right now, let the fires burn. Let them fan and let it catch here. I'm hoping, and I'm not going to wait for that, but I'm hoping on March 19th when another church joins us, we experience some of that here just among us because God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't need to go to a seminary to be able to send revival because his love endures forever. Celebrating God's love 
it never changes. We change. Aren't you glad God's not moody? You know, and I'm dating myself. Remember those mood rings? Those things that just a piece of junk. They really didn't do anything. But they were supposed to change with your mood. Your actual mental state, they would change to be able to tell you whether you were happy or whether you were sad or whether you were in a stressful place or whether you were in a passive place. I'm not sure why I would ever need a ring to know that, but be that as it may, God doesn't need a mood ring. He's always God. He always loves you and he always cares and he's always listening and he's always there. Our God is good. Our God is amazing. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. We're going to try that one more time. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Stand with me, please.